On today's episode of Facts, Opinions, and Rants, we are going to look at the Christian view on voting. What are the Christian policies or what are the policies? What are the uh, values that a Christian should bring with them to the ballot box? Look forward to chatting about that and so much more on Facts, Opinions, and Rants with Stephen D. Mosley. Stay tuned. Welcome to this special Labor Day edition of Facts, Opinions, and Rants. I'm pumped up to talk about the Christian principles to voting, what believers look for when they're voting, when they're looking for a candidate. So, um, you know, I'm going to share the six P's, as I call them, the six P's. Uh, I'm a Baptist, so I like to alliterate. Uh, but they're the biblical principles for political engagement. Uh, before we do the shout out today, that's what I'm going to do. Um, but I, I would like to start off just by talking about a few myths about Christians and politics. Also, I would like to talk about um, why party affiliation and the beer test is not enough. So let's look at those myths first. Uh, number one, uh, you are voting for the lesser of two evils. I will say I've never done that. I don't believe in that. I know there's some Christians who do. And I will say this. Yeah, all men are sinful. Um, you know, for all of sin and fall short of God's glory. We know that. Uh, there's no perfect candidate. Um, there's no candidate you will agree with 100% of the time. I ran for public office. I'm pretty sure even something I might have said, I look back and go, well, I might have said it a little differently here. Um, but bottom line is you're never going to find a candidate that agrees with you 100% of the time unless you're running yourself. Um, but the idea that you vote for the lesser of two evils is wrong. Um, the scripture says in in First uh, Corinthians ten thirty one that whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, you do it all for the glory of God. And so the question you need to ask yourself is, can I do what I'm doing to God's glory? Um, and if you can't, you know, if you can't do that for you, it is sin. That's what what you see when you read uh, Romans thirteen, Romans uh, fourteen um, about um, whatever you can't do in good conscience, that is sin. So I would never encourage you to sin. Um, that would be wrong, obviously, but I would encourage you to get out of the mindset of like the lesser two evils mindset. No, there, there are six principles you could be using to figure out if this fallen person that you're voting for act, actually will promote your values, even though they may not be a person of your faith. They may not be a person who lives up to your, your, um, your moral standards of your faith, but will, can you influence them for your values is what you're going to be looking at. Number two uh, myth is both parties are essentially the same, so it doesn't matter. Um, parties are not the same. And I would say one of the P's we're going to look at is party platforms. So if you've never taken the time to read the party platforms, I would say obviously you would have to go back to 2016 since Republicans did not write a party platform this year. But you can actually read the Democrat party platform and then read the Republican platform. And I always tell people some of the things, you know, look at some of the things you know of Republicans and Democrats. Are they really the same? Are they same on tax structure? Are they same on the issue of life? Are they same on the issue of marriage? Are they the same on the issue of religious freedom? Are they the same on guns? Are they the same on philosophy of war? Well, sometimes before Trump, yeah, they would be. I would say post-Trump, are they? Eh, maybe you should you read up on that. But that's a myth. And number three, the myth is Christians shouldn't get involved in politics. You know, I would say when Christians say that, I would say Jesus said, be in the world and not of it. And to love your neighbor as yourself. And if you're not involved in politics, one big thing you're saying to someone who lives in a different zip code than you is you don't care about them. Because a believer being involved in politics, especially here in America, actually influences how people are treated and how justice is done. 
You're not involved in the politics. There is no civil rights movement. You're not involved in politics. There is no civil war. You're not involved in politics. Um, there is there is no protection of life. You know, most of these pro-life bills are being solved at the state level. Um, that means your local delegate and your state senate. If you're in the state of Virginia, we, we vote on local delegate next year, uh, 2021. Your governor, they determine those things. Um, local politics determines if parents are the primary educators of their kid. So I've talked about this before in previous podcasts, but school choice. Those have a huge impact, huge, on your neighbor. And it, a policy allows you to show love for a neighbor you'll never meet. So as Christians, we're called to love one another. We're called to love our neighbors as ourselves. We're called to be in the world and not of it. We're called to do whatever we do in word or deed to the glory of God. We're called to make disciples of the world. So what does discipleship look like in the political realm? That's a question you need to ask, you know, because there are many politicians who claim to be Christians. There are many politicians, um, many, many people influencing politicians who are Christian organizations. Why? Because they understand the link between all of these things. The idea of making disciples where you live, work, worship, and play, or as Jesus says, in the world. Uh, loving your neighbor as yourself is intrinsically linked to public policy. Uh, if you don't believe that, look at the second chance uh, initiatives that happen through um, Christian organizations that deal with criminal justice reform and why the First Step Act is so important. Why? Because that shows you have a love for, for the ex-convict, right? So how do you actually do something to help them? A lot of those things happen through public policy. And so these are three myths Christians use to avoid politics because it is messy. It is totally messy. And without the right principles, you will come to wrong conclusions. And it, it can be something that causes you to lose friendships because politics is personal. So is faith, and a lot of times the two things people avoid talking about are the things that matter most. Your faith and your application of your faith in the public arena. That's known as politics. So what are the two methods people usually use when it comes to voting? I call it the beer test and party affiliation. When I ran for school board, one of the biggest things that drove me up the wall was I'm knocking on doors and I'm saying, hey, I'm Stephen Mosley. I'm running for school board. And here's my platform, my smart plan. And the first question they asked me, are you Republican or Democrat? Right. This is a local allegedly and I'm using, as Chris Plant would say, air quotes with my fingers, nonpartisan election. But that's a lie. Right. We all know that's a lie. Every part of politics from the localists of local levels, which is school board, all the way to the presidency deals with political parties. In our state, it's uh, political endorsements. So each party endorses a candidate. But when you focus strictly on party alone, even at the localist of localist levels, you won't get to know who the candidate is and what they're talking about. Because maybe the thing you hate about the party, that candidate doesn't support. So, I mean, I'm in Northern Virginia where even the Republicans voted for Hillary. Yeah, I want you to think about that. Uh, Rhino Central. But when I went door knocking, it's like, hey, all these things we're talking about today are stuff I campaigned on that most people are like, yeah, I agree with. But the moment they heard Republican, they're like, yep, close the door. Close the door. They didn't even listen. And that's how, be honest, that's how most people they are when they're voting. Like, I stick to my tribe. I stick to my tribe. Other people, they do the beer test. Now, what's the beer test? Now, as Baptists, we don't drink beer. So we would call it the sweet tea test. It's basically, who would you like to hang out with? Like, you look at the two candidates, you're like, yeah, who do I imagine grabbing a beer with? You know, who do I imagine actually hanging out with? I have a newsflash for you. Yeah, you're probably never going to hang out with the president of the United States. 
I've been to a lot of political functions. I've been in the same room with the president on multiple occasions. He does a great speech. You may get a selfie, but you're not going to be hanging out with the president. You're not going <laughs> to, that's not going to happen. And so you, you shouldn't be using the beer test to figure out like, is this my guy? You know, it's the likability test. And that's what most people do, by the way. I'm not saying it's not what is used. It's just not right. That's not how as Christians, we should be picking our candidates. Now, when we come back from the shout out, we're going to talk about the six P's we should be using to pick our local, our federal, and our state candidates. I want to give a shout out to Tony Perkins and Harry Jackson as they wrote what I believe is one of the most important books you could read. It is a little dated. I think it was written maybe 20 years ago, a little 15 or 20 years ago. But man, oh man, does it really teach you what a Christian looks for when he votes, uh, when he comes to ballot box and how to bring that to the table. It's written by a two pastors, one black, one white, one Democrat, one Republican. And man, oh man, do they really nail it. They really nail it. It is called Personal Faith, Public Policy by Tony Perkins and Bishop Harry Jackson. I want to encourage you, go ahead and give it a read. Um, Like I said, the analogies will be from maybe 15 years ago, but the principles are still true today. As with everything that I tell you here, you know, the facts, opinions, and rants are totally mine and are not representative necessarily of Tony Perkins or Harry Jackson. So please send a positive email to them, the negative ones to me. And now let's get back to the program. And we're back. So uh, the six P's we should be using to actually pick our candidates, it's the six P's Christians and politics principles for biblical engagement in American politics. Um, What believers should be looking for when they pick their candidates? Well, number one, we should be praying. We should be praying, Lord, align my views with your words. That's a Psalm 119. We had a great sermon about that yesterday in church. Psalm 119, whole chapters about the sufficiency of God's word and how that is the worldview we should be using, the lens we should be using for everything in life. And that includes voting. So it's thy word that I've hidden in my heart that I may not sin against God. That is the overarching principle that we should be praying. God, align when we're praying, the first P is prayer, we pray, God, align my views with your word. The second P is what's known as, I call, principles. What does God's word say about this issue? So there are certain issues, as I like to say, are absolute values defined absolutely in Scripture. So there's no wiggle room. What are some of those principles? Pro-life, the right to life. The Scripture says, thou shalt not kill in Exodus chapter 20. Psalm 139 says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made by God from the moment of conception. You know, we were made in our mother's womb is the language scripture uses. Um, Psalm 127 says children are inherited from the Lord. Right. So if you read the Bible, there is no doubt that from the moment of conception, that's when God considers the life a life. And it's no doubt. That we are called not to murder. It's one of the big ten. It's called the Ten Commandments, Exodus chapter 20. So as Christians, we cannot vote for a candidate that does not stand for the right to life. Not that that personally for life. Every candidate claims that. And that's a lie. 
the truth is, if you're pro-life, it's just like if you're anti-slavery, you're for the abolition movement. So we're for the abolition of abortion. Get rid of abortion in our lifetime. Uh, Romans 13 talks about our taxes. What are we supposed to be doing as Christians about them? Yeah, we're supposed to pay them. So as Christians, we believe that you pay your taxes. Um, the Bible talks about sex. Hebrews chapter, and that was Romans 13, by the way, for the other one. Hebrews chapter 13, it talks about the context of when sex happens. So the marriage bed is undefiled, uh, Hebrews 13, 1 through 6 here, when we have sex inside the confines of marriage. And what is marriage? Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5 and Matthew chapter 19. Jesus clearly defines marriage and says it's from the beginning. God says that marriage between a man and a woman. So, we do not support any candidate that supports homosexual marriage or sex outside of marriage. So that would include prostitution, sex trafficking. These are the things that are totally against God's word. And as a Christian, we don't support it. So these would be questions you would ask, you know, politicians. Do you support sex trafficking? And they would say no. Then you'd say, do you support uh, sex work, that's the code word for a prostitution. And they say yes, or decriminalizing, or anything like that, that goes against our word. That goes against God's word. And we as believers don't support that. Um, when it comes to uh, the LGBT movement, um, you see that Christians, we believe that God created men and women in his image. Genesis chapter 1, 26 through 28, right? And that he gave specific roles for men and women. So, in, and that's Ephesians five. So, when um, the LGBT movement tries to say that, uh, specifically when it comes to the transgenderism, that men can identify as women, and as as Christians, we understand that one sex and one sexual identity are eternally linked. So that's the difference between us and the world. That God has given you a role in your sex, and it represents itself through marriage. As husbands are called to be Christ in the marriage, wives represent the church in the marriage, and the picture is supposed to be the gospel. And uh, we don't have time today to talk about it. We've talked about it in other podcasts. But the bottom line is, if a candidate supports transgenderism, which would be allowing boys to play on girls' sports teams, um, it, it, those things are against God's word. And as a result, as Christians, there's no budge room on that. We don't support that. And so these are just some of the principles that you see. And, of course, in the book I, I referenced in the shout-out, you would be able to get a, a well, deep dive into almost all of these issues. I encourage you to read that book. So we look at principles and we say, does God's word, what does God's word say about this issue? Uh, number three is people. What people or interest group uh, models God's word on this issue? So most people are not into politics. They're like, hey, I, I tune in every four years. And that's most people, right? So it's like, well, where can I go for reliable information? And I always encourage you, go to the Christian organizations that are fighting for you on these issues. So I'm going to list a couple. Uh, Family Research Council Action. They actually endorsed me in my campaign. So I want to give them a shout out. Uh, the Douglas Leadership Institute. Good friend of mine runs that. Uh, Concerned Women for America and the Radiance Foundation. All of those groups are led by evangelical Christians who are clear about their Christian worldview on all these issues I mentioned. And so if you want to know where do people stand on the issue, where do politicians stand, check out those ministries because those ministries are the Christian ministries here in D.C. that's advocating for you and your values from God's word. Uh, number four 
would be, um, does the policy the candidate support, um, does that support biblical policy? So it's about policy. That's the thing most people get confused about. They think it's about personality. It's not. It's really about policy. What laws are you going to write? Remember, we're, we're voting for lawmakers. We're voting for people who are going to write laws. And so you need to know, at the end of the day, where do they stand on policy? Does their vote align with their rhetoric? Does it align with their campaign promises? If you live in Virginia, the Family Foundation does an amazing job of tracking the votes of local all the way up to, to uh, federal government offices. And if you don't, there's another website, FRC Action. They have a scorecard that actually scorecards uh, scores politicians who are in office on every vote they've made when it comes to Christian issues. Uh, the last two is what most people choose, you know, party and personality. So party affiliation, doesn't matter what party they're in. Well, to a degree, you're right, it does to a degree because party platforms matter. And you need to read the party platforms and know what they stand for and know which party platform stands for what Christian values. Because at the end of the day, you know, um, most people align with their party platform. So seven out of 10 Democrats vote with the party platform and nine out of 10 Republicans vote with the party platform. I think I nailed all the ones who don't last week on the podcast. Um, and then finally, personality. This is what most people use. It's the beer test, right? Um, instead of using the beer test, I use the salt and light test. Well, what's a salt and light test? Last week, we talked about Matthew 5. We actually read from it, uh, 13 through 16. It's because uh, we're supposed to be the light of the world and that we're supposed to be the salt of the earth and we're supposed to be influencing the world for our values. And as Christians, what I look for is which candidate can I influence with the policies of Scripture? So who has a track record of aligning with my policies? The policies that I read through earlier, they're absolute values to find absolutely. Now you say, Stephen, you didn't hit every every issue. No, no, I didn't. Because not every uh, policy you care about or I care about are absolute values to find absolutely. There are some Christian values with multiple correct answers, such as um, the issue of education. I'm a school choice advocate. I laid out that on multiple podcasts here. But does the Bible clearly talk about school choice? No, it, it talks about parents being the primary educators of their kids, Ephesians 6, 4. Um, but it doesn't say what method of education you must do. Must you be a homeschooler? Must you send your kid to private school or public school? The scripture gives you liberty in that. When it comes about helping the poor, it says as believers were commanded to do it. But what, what public policy is commanded by God? The only one I can think of is you don't work, you don't eat, right? That's the only principle you can see, and that, that's within the body, by the way, body of believers. Um, but there's no public policy principle. There are some that I think are better than others, and you may think are better. We can have disagreements upon that. What about Medicare? Um, you know, what about uh, the health care system? You know, do we go full out socialism health care, or do we do free market, or do we have a mix in between? The Scripture is silent on those issues. And so when the Scripture is silent, we can have opinions on but let's not let's make sure that our opinions do not trump God's absolute values and principles. So none of those issues I've just mentioned trumps the right to life. None of them trumps marriage. None of them trumps God's position on LGBT issues. None of them trumps religious liberty and the command from Scripture that we are to meet. Right? Hebrews chapter ten, twenty four to twenty six. So who's for us meeting at church? Doing the one another commands in Scripture. Those are the things that are commanded in Scripture that are absolute values defined absolutely. They leave no leeway for us to say, well, I kind of feel, or, well, it's just that one issue. You can't be a one-issue candidate. I'm not. 
I've lived out, uh, uh, leveled out four or five issues for you today, and there's still some more. And the book that I represent, I think, goes through 12 issues. At the end of the day, you have to decide it's not about the beer test. It's about the salt and light ability. Who can I influence with the salt and light of Scripture, the principles of Scripture, who has a voting record that aligns with these values? That is the man or woman I'm voting for. And by the way, as Christians, we should be involved from the primary season all the way to the general election of every election. Because if we did our best, guess what? There'd be a Christian running in every precinct. And when God's people run on God's value, it brings freedom to all. It's a verse I shared a lot during our, my campaign, which is James chapter 1. When we look perfectly into the law of freedom, if we obey it, it gives freedom to all who look in. And these principles brings freedom to everyone. Well, thank you for joining us for this edition of Facts, Opinions, and Rants. I'm excited because on our next podcast, we're going to talk about how I went from a never-Trumper to Trump advocate. Yeah, you're not going to miss that one. So, friends, please share this podcast with others. Rate it high on your social media and on your uh, podcast site. But until next time, I look forward to seeing you. We are out of time. Have a great week.